Hey there, and welcome to Watering Seeds, a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church in Asheville, North Carolina, where we seek to discuss and apply our most recent sermon from our sermon series through the Gospel of Matthew. To listen to our most recent sermon titled Don't Judge, you can check us out on our website at covenantreform.net slash sermons, or you can search for Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church on Sermon Audio. I'm here today with none other than the man, the myth, the preacher, Sean McCann. Sean, how are you doing today? Good. I'm looking around to see who you're actually talking about. Well, it's you. Okay, great. Good to be here. Uh, Welcome back. Thrilled to talk about this sermon. From vacation. How was it? Sure. Uh, Yeah, I've been working a lot since then, so it feels like a long time ago, (laughs) but it was just a few days ago. Uh, Wonderful. Hanging with my family at the beach. So um, everyone's very happy at the beach in my family. Quick question. Did you actually, like, was it hot or was it, like, mildly warm? Uh, it was we, a little chilly. The day we got back to Asheville was very hot in Asheville. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that was bizarre. It was kind of what you would expect. Balmy spring, pretty windy. We never got in. I take that back. A couple of my kids got in the water once, but it wasn't warm enough. For to like 10 seconds or yeah. what? They got okay. in the pool for maybe 15 minutes. Okay. But like, great weather to sit uh by the beach and read a book. There you go. There you go. Okay. Well, welcome back. We're glad to have you back. Glad to start our uh, midweek services again. So just a shout out for that. Uh, this is quickly becoming the announcement podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, half the listeners just <laughs> tuned yeah, it off. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> well, let's uh, let's let's dive right in. Matthew seven. I've asked you this question before, uh, but I'm going to ask it to you again because I think like. This passage is definitely more popular. This passage may be the most, and you even brought it up in in your sermon. So what was it like? Just walk us through sort of approaching the text, then preaching the text that people probably could have just referenced off the top of their head. I mean, people in the pews could have quoted this to you, the whole text, right? So walk us through, how how do you come at a text like this? What was your thought process in going into this? Yeah, I mean, I said at the beginning of the sermon, it seems like it's one of those texts that's no, most popular amongst unbelievers. That's not entirely fair. I I think it's it would maybe be more accurate to say it's very popular amongst sort of a certain type of Christian as well as unbelievers. And so I think there's a right desire amongst people not to be judgmental. Right? We all have that desire, but we can take that to sort of a weird extreme. And so... There's sort of a decision in a sermon like this is how how much time do I need to spend deconstructing what people might wrongly think this verse says uh, before sort of accurately saying what it says. The thing is, I think our congregation and our people are probably on the other extreme of so tired of hearing other people quote this verse that we might defend it so much that we lose the actual teeth of the verse when Jesus is intending to speak directly to us. So honestly, I made a decision of trying to address that, like in the first 90 seconds of the sermon, totally disarm it and say, we just need to hear this as fresh as we can, Jesus talking to his people. Great. So the typical, I feel like the typical response to a misuse or a misquotation of this, a misapplication of this is, oh, no, 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 Jesus didn't mean judge. 
he meant condemn. Which, so, okay. <clears throat> I won't give my answer to that. I'll <laughs> let you answer it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what, uh, w- do you agree with that? I mean, the judgment in the verse is is not, it, the implication is both judgment and condemnation, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I do kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it doesn't only mean condemn. No. Otherwise, maybe the guys who translated it from Greek into English would have used that word. Right. So <clears throat> that means that, that there's a bit of depth to what Jesus is saying. In other words, the, this passage doesn't just apply to uh, me condemning someone in the sense of um, maybe saying, oh, that person must not be a Christian because they act like or look like or wear or whatever. <clears throat> so let's talk about that depth then. Mm-hmm. Before going to condemn, let's talk judge, specifically how we would use the word judge today. What is specifically that judgment Jesus is saying we should not do? Okay, Maybe I disagree with you, actually. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I didn't feel like I made a point, but let's go. Because <laughs> I, I do think condemnation is a very close word to this. I mean, sure. It's, it's evaluating somebody, sort of others around us, with a great expectation of sort of a negative result. Yeah. Right. And so yep. you're sort of looking, it's almost like you're looking for things to condemn someone with. Right. And so. I can't. Are you asking like the legal sense of condemn? Not necessarily that. <clears throat> uh, uh, I'm trying to to say um, there we can exercise judgment that is inappropriate, that may lead to the condemnation of other people. Which obviously that's in within the meaning that Jesus is giving. But we don't necessarily condemn people with some of our on the fly judgments that Jesus is prohibiting either. Right? So we can make a judgment of someone's character, for example, and thus space ourselves from them. Like you said <clears throat> in your sermon, it's sort of wall building between me and that person. Um, that, that isn't me saying, well, uh, necessarily, they're not a Christian. I just don't want to associate with them, mm-hmm. which isn't really an option mm-hmm. on some level mm-hmm. uh, within the church. That's just that's all I meant by yeah, yeah. That trying makes to separate sense. the two terms. It does feel a little bit that kind of falls in the category of condemnation. I mean, it's a, it's a very negative assessment of someone. I guess it's not a full blown. Well, let's jump to condemnation then, because I feel like a lot of people, and this is what I was hinting at, use condemnation to, to go to like the furthest extreme. But again, Jesus has, has depth to this word, depth to this meaning here. And so condemnation isn't just me cutting that person off entirely from grace, though it certainly is that. It's more to it than that. So what sort of condemnation is Jesus forbidding here? I, I mean, I, I think it has to do with internal judgments uh, of somebody else's character or just sort of the, the rationale for why they do certain things that are in an incredibly negative light. And so I don't, I don't know if it sort of comes to the conclusion of rendering a you know set judgment of guilty versus innocent and i think it's it's more of a kind of a spirit and attitude a perspective and approach of how we interact with and assess the actions of our fellow christians because that's the category right if your brother's in sin so i i think that's maybe what you're asking yeah so we're we're not entitled to sit 
in the seat above someone else. Right. So we're not entitled to, um, I mean, we could use the phrase benefit of the doubt. We're not entitled to not give the benefit of the doubt sort of uh, in this way. Obviously, Jesus is going to go the other way at the end of the passage. So we'll, we'll get there when we get there. <clears throat> but what I'm, I guess what I'm, where I'm really trying to dive in here is I feel like we can have this sort of flat 2D view of judge and condemn. That judge always means X and Y and not Z. And condemn always means X and Y and not Z. But I think what I got from the sermon is that condemnation actually includes a lot more categories than, than maybe I had given it credit for. Okay, fair. Right? And judgment give, has a lot more categories than I had given it credit for yeah. as well. In other words, I felt before the sermon like I had not been judging people. And <laughs> now I realize that I have been subtly judging people. Okay, okay. Uh, I have been subtly condemning people for certain actions um, uh, and certain certain things that they do, right? <clears throat> so what are some of the telltale signs of this type of judgment and condemnation uh, uh, within your own life, maybe within some uh, uh, personal anecdotes you have of other people? What are, what are just some of those sure. classic yeah. symptoms of this? Well, let me just go straight to, the, to a big one. Uh, when you, last two years, see somebody wearing a mask or... You see someone not wearing a mask. Controversial episode you know, today. Let's just, we can put it in the headline. Yeah. What are you thinking, mm. right? If you are in a situation, I mean, who knows? I don't know. Our listeners are probably all over the spectrum on their masking, wearing habits and preferences. What I'm saying is you're, you're, you've probably made a negative assumption of the person who's doing the opposite of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you... I don't know. I'm assuming all our listeners are sinners, I guess. But I, <laughs> right, you can go to that point where you you impute in your own mind. You assume the reason they're taking that action is because of a sinful motivation. They're wearing a mask because there's a, they're afraid and fear is a sin. They're not wearing a mask because they're selfish and selfishness is a sin. They don't care about other people, right? Those are both extremely ungenerous assumptions about somebody else's motivation. So you are. I believe that's judging a per you're seeing an action that you may or may not agree with and you are assuming that action is motivated by sin. And I think that's a very sort of obvious in front of us example, but I think uh, that that happens to us a lot. I mean, I was just in a uh, in a conversation with some folks the other day and we were talking about something that had happened and there were different people that were sort of assuming the person who had taken that action was doing so because of XYZ sin, sort of as opposed to, well, we'll I guess we'll get to this later in the podcast, but opposed to extending the benefit of the doubt, yeah. waiting <clears throat> to cast judgment, refusing to cast any sort of judgment, right? Yeah, and, and the issue isn't strong opinions necessarily. <clears throat> uh, 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 and, and there are good assumptions that can be made. So it's not like people who have strong opinions are constantly committing this sin, I guess is what I'm getting at. Uh, Though maybe. I don't know. Um, are, you, are you getting a little defensive over there? <laughs> strong opinions. What are you talking Jim? about? I don't have any strong opinions other than the Cubs are the best team in Major League Baseball. Uh, but the, the the issue comes in, in the internal imputation of motives uh, uh, behind an action without any sort of concrete evidence to that mm -hmm. right so so 
um, it's sort of an, an internal assumption leading to a negative view mm-hmm. of someone. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's important to draw out if really for no other reason than connecting this with the broader stream of thought that Jesus is getting at in the Sermon on the Mount with that microscopic level of examination of the internal heart, the the internal mind, how we think and feel in sort of the 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 lockbox of secrecy of my head, where I don't have to share that with anybody else, uh, and I can think whatever I want to think and feel however I want to feel, and no one can hold me accountable. And Jesus is coming in and saying, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That's the area of problem. Because mm-hmm. the Pharisees have been committing sin after sin after sin after sin after sin internally. Mm -hmm. And so he's coming now and saying, hey, this sort of judgmental attitude, this um, condemnatory stance, this idea that you get to sit in a judgment seat is completely wrong from the bottom up. And it's not just literally in the seat, but also in your head that you think you have the right to sort of um, to judge and condemn people uh, internally, as to whether or not they're a good parent, as to whether or not they're a good Christian, a good citizen, um, a helpful person, those sorts of things. And I think the 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 struggle here, at least from from my perspective, and some of the conversations I've had after the sermon, is that sometimes these can these can start as good judgments. So let's talk about that really quickly, and okay. then we'll, then we'll bridge this gap. So so at the end of the sermon. So I'm sort of skipping the rest of your sermon here. The end of the sermon, you mentioned that uh, it's not that all judgment, all discernment is wrong. Talk to us about uh, what what sort of judgments then should we be making? Should we be wisely applying in our lives? Sure. I mean, I think the distinction I tried to make earlier in the sermon is evaluating someone's heart versus their actions. Right? And uh, there's a I don't know where this quote comes from, but you should believe who somebody tells you that they are, right? Believe what, who they say they are. And that doesn't mean with their words, it means their actions, right? And so, um, yeah, I mean, if some, it's, 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 it's a hard distinction to make, right? Yeah. So I think maybe this gets back to your question about sort of condemning someone versus exercising discernment. I mean, that's just, just take like a, a, something simple. There's a bully on the playground, right? That keeps bugging your kid, right? And I'm not going to tell my kid after, you know, he gets punched for the 10th time to get his lunch money. Well, you're not supposed to judge that bully. So just keep walking in front of him, you know, with your lunch money, right? That would be sort of silly of me. Uh, maybe we could say, you know, that kid probably has some other stuff going on in his life. Bullies probably have a lot of insecurity, like, there's probably some reasons for his actions. So maybe let's try to refrain from judging him. But man, keep your distance. Like, stay right. away from this guy. Like, he has hurt right. you repeatedly. Those yeah. actions speak for themselves. A wise person would try to stay away from that. And so you could see how this could sort of play out in our lives. And a question I get a lot as a pastor, and I don't know if, if you get it much, but is this question of for, how to forgive other people and what does forgiveness actually look like, especially someone that's hurt me repeatedly in the past. And I, I always want to try to make a distinction between forgiveness and restoration. Like forgiveness is one thing. Being fully restored to another person is something else, especially someone that has a repeated pattern of hurting you, right? You can, you're called to forgive that person in your heart, 
you're not necessarily called to going back into a dangerous relationship, a dangerous situation. That type of decision involves a whole lot of discernment, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, That involves a level of judgment Mm -hmm. and of exercising wisdom. Yeah. So I guess those are some examples. Yeah. 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 I think there's a, there's a very different sort of sense of judgment of saying the last 20 out of 20 times I've been around this person, I've gotten punched in the face. Right. Um, so the 21st time is probably going to happen again versus sitting and, and looking down on again, I, I I'm, I'm thinking of literally a judge elevated high behind a big, you know, desk with a black robe, getting to determine the fate and, and all of this. Right. Um, there's very different sort of approach to somebody to say, hey, I don't like being beat up, so I'm not going to be around you. Um, <clears throat> and But then on the other hand, refusing to say, um, this dude is irredeemable. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy is totally evil and wicked, right? <clears throat> so let me ask you, how do I apply this passage in uh, uh, a situation that I am finding myself in, and I think several of our listeners are finding themselves in, we read the news about the wickedness of a guy maybe running a very large Asian slash European country, right. invading another country. How do we uh, correctly call out injustice and evil and wickedness? And then maybe as a bonus question, how do we apply imprecatory psalms to a situation like this, which I think would be appropriate without judging in this sense. Okay. Um, Huge question for the rest of the podcast. Sure. Sorry to drop that one on you, but. Sure. Um, yeah, I think entering into judgment against a, a civil leader, a dictator, or whatever. I mean, there's, there's, that's definitely kind of a different level almost than just your run of the day neighbor dog poops in your lawn right like that's we're talking about a little bit different categories <laughs> yes, here right um so i think i would kind of add that layer to it yeah uh, this somebody that has been um appointed by god to bear the sword to execute judgment of god is mm-hmm. actually doing the exact opposite is mm-hmm. as a um an arm of injustice let's say so I think when that sort of level of evidence has been given to us now to i mean to put a fine point on it it's not your or my job to declare the spiritual state of any other person. Absolutely. No matter how wicked that person is from all external evidence. Now, when it comes to praying the imprecatory Psalms, I think that takes that, that, that takes another level of wisdom in recognizing, is this just an enemy of mine mm-hmm. or is this an enemy of God? Right, and I think we want to. We love to pray the imprecatory psalms against my own enemies, right? Or we would. I don't know if we love to pray them, but that's easier to apply than saying, right. "Is this person an enemy of Christ and His Church? Is he a? Is he very much a vessel of the devil, mm-hmm. right, in his actions right mm-hmm. now?" Um, so, in addition to all of the other things that are good to judge, personal safety, <clears throat> uh, just general wisdom and discernment. Uh, in in not just physical safety but emotional and mental safety as well. Now we also need to judge some level of heinousness to which actions arise from 
um, uh, or rise to perhaps. So uh, we might say there are wars that are just. Uh, I think you and I would both agree this is not from the Russian perspective a just war. And so this rises to what we were just saying. <clears throat> He's been entrusted with the sword to execute judgment in a just manner and is not doing that. He's doing the exact opposite. And so that rises to a level of heinousness. He's now misusing something in an, a horrific way. And so that, that raises the stakes a little bit. Um, I also think we need to judge, uh, uh, um, uh, can I say the office perhaps? Right. Um, in, a, in a similar sense to how you and I as elders will be judged more strictly because we teach. Um, uh, I think there's more scrutiny to somebody who has that much authority and power. Is that fair? It is fair. Absolutely. Yeah. I, one area that I would maybe take push back a little bit, not against the theology that you're saying, but just like, do we need to over our cup of coffee every morning, judge all of the other leaders of all of the other countries? You're not saying that, but I just uh, to pivot for a moment into our roles as elders within the church. There are very real and sobering circumstances in which we are called upon to make judgments, right? When we are presented with facts and arguments, and there are times when the church courts speak in very authoritative ways about something as serious as the state of another person's soul, right? And there's some comfort. There's some comfort. I think it's safe to say in going along with how the church has spoken on a topic, right? And so, uh, sub- submitting ourselves to the judgment of those who are entrusted with that judgment by God, right? And so, I know this may sound weird because I'm in a position where I'm the one making judgments, but I submit myself to a presbytery and to a denomination that makes spiritual judgments that I may or may not agree with personally, but that is the, that's, we believe that's God speaking through the courts of the church. And so I can take some comfort in the church judging this person is a heretic, a false teacher, should not be teaching within the, the Presbyterian Church of America, let's say. All right, so bring that back to the civil courts. And what, what do I do in the morning when I read of another sort of terrifying thing that happened in another country last night? What is that? judgment even look like for me at that moment now i personally don't struggle with i don't i don't i don't assess that i personally have sort of unrighteous anger against other world dictators but i do think if we can remove the responsibility of knowing all the facts and judging and condemning in our personal chairs in the 10 minutes we have to process the news we can by god's grace exercise limited amounts of wisdom and discernment that isn't rendering a final state on this war, that war, this dictator or that, that president or whatever, but with the discernment that we exercise with the word, with the, the spirit's help, we can make limited judgments, I guess. Like maybe I shouldn't go to Russia next year on a a cruise trip, right? Like that would be a wise exercise of discernment, even more than that. So I don't know. I'm kind of rambling now on this point, but um, you can take us back. Well, uh, <clears throat> there's two things in there that, that I was heading toward the, the, the accountability piece, right? I've, I've mentioned that. And then you bring up the church courts and going back to the, <clears throat> the splinter and log, the speck and log, right? 
um, Lord willing, a presbytery filled with other elders in the church, both ruling and teaching elders, would uh, uh, clear out the eyes, would flush the eyes of both large and small obstacles, right? And so that's one of the reasons accountability is so important. And that's one of the reasons that in the civil realm, right, that I think we can hold civil authorities accountable on on that higher level, right? Because again, they're, they're sort of given those those stronger uh, uh, tools like the sword. Right? Can I interrupt for just a no, second? What do you mean by that? Because in my mind, the only way we would hold any civil authority accountable is voting or not voting for them. Well, so <clears throat> we're getting off a serious here, rabbit trail here, but help here me understand Here in the United question. States, we have three branches of government. <laughs> But through the courts, I mean, we we are entitled to sue the government here. Okay, right? We we are entitled to impeach uh, uh, and recall, right? Of course, that's not the case, perhaps in another country that's engaging in this warfare. But that that's what I mean is uh, 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 the the layer of accountability and scrutiny, maybe is the term that I should be using here, is higher. For that person than me as some random citizen walking around Asheville, absolutely, North Carolina, absolutely. Right? <clears throat> and so, uh, and that takes us back in the church realm to James, right? And and you and I are held to higher scrutiny because we teach, uh, because we lead, and and so I think the the point is, it's I think it's easy to see for somebody like Putin ways in which we should be exercising discernment and judgment in the way that Jesus, I believe, calls us to, where we can see he's doing something uh, unjust and we should call it unjust. He's doing something horrific and we should call it horrific because we've looked at the details. We've seen the evidence for it, right? Versus <clears throat> coming home and applying the same amount of scrutiny to you know the, the board of commissioners or the mayor or you know our governor or the president on lesser matters, but to the same intensity. All of a sudden, I think the pendulum, for me anyway, has swung to the judgment that Jesus tells me not to do. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so the, the the trick for me in, in, in hearing this text again and hearing your sermon was understanding that there's a line that my judgment as an individual cannot cross, mm. right? <clears throat> Where it goes from good discernment into setting myself up over sort of adjusting my seat here, elevating it, right? Uh, oh, sitting over somebody. And that's where I think uh, the, the categories of scrutiny and accountability, evidence, and those sort of things come into play. So wh- where's that line? It's all relative, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I think that's the trick of the sermon, isn't it? Uh, or the text and the sermon, in a way. <clears throat> I think that's that's where we have to read it in the broader context of the Sermon on the Mount, in the broader context of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus exercises a good deal of judgment in his ministry that I think we can't because we're not Jesus, but he also exercises a lot of judgment that I think we can, that he calls the apostles to exercise, that he calls his church to exercise here in this life as well. And so where is that line? I think that line is in the deep, dark recesses of the privacy of your mind and heart what is actually going on. And that's going to take us back to what are some of those symptoms of this judgment that we're talking about. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with me putting myself as the better person in, in that, that relationship. Um, that's how I personally most often see judgment play mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 
you know, um, the Confession of Faith, Westminster, and Larger and Shorter Catechisms, goes through the Ten Commandments, right? And it tells you all this various, all these various ways in which different commandments can be broken. Uh, they, in the list of ways that you can violate the Ninth Commandment about bearing false witness against your neighbor, uh, there are a couple of different points whose scriptural footnote is this verse or these verses. And they have to do with, I think, the, I don't have it off the top of my head, but I think one of the quotes is to have a generous estimation of others. Mm-hmm. One way you keep the ninth commandment is by having a generous estimation of others. And so I, I think a lot of this is in, is in our head, and I think we do confuse categories. And I think you're right that ju- the word judgment has depth, and so we can kind of get ourselves into trouble by thinking what things can, can't I judge? Where's that line? You said it's contextual. It's, you know, it's, it's true because that is, that is difficult. I think where I, my, where I'm coming from is to tell Christians, you're probably making a whole lot more judgments than you're supposed to not. And I said this in the sermon, not you need to be more judgmental or you need to be, I do think actually Christians do need to be more discerning, but I think maybe in different areas than people are judgmental. Because in my experience, this happens interpersonally with our spouse, our parents, our siblings, right? You know, when you're a kid and like your brother gets on your nerves constantly and he's doing nothing wrong, right? He's just annoying to you. Well, there's a sense of that. We carry that into our adulthood and we go to church and we think, Man, I just don't want to talk to that guy this morning. He is X, Y, or Z. He's this out of the other, right? He's um, I'm casting sort of judgments on that person potentially, and so y- you took it in a more geopolitical direction. For me, it's a very interpersonal. How am I thinking about and loving my neighbor, and more importantly, my brother in Christ? Yeah, and that gets to the broader context where I was heading is the verses we haven't read yet, <clears throat> yeah. which is this other very, very famous verse coming up, right? Uh, verse 12 um, uh, of treating others as you yourself want to be treated. I want to say, you correct me if you have a, a different experience here. I want to say, what, 99 times out of 100 that I've heard this passage used, it's used in a defensive posture. Does that sound verse 12 or verse one uh sorry verses one through six yes the sermon text. yes i mean don't judge me right don't me. judge me take the log out of your own eye you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and i appreciated that in the sermon you actually turned it and you you actually said no no no. this is a text calling us to self-evaluation this yeah is- and that yeah that was actually um sort of familiar text you can just have default assumptions uh this week was helpful for me in understanding this i was sort of operating on the assumption that because the example is so ridiculous of the beam in your eye, that really Jesus is just saying, never do it. Never do it. Uh, because the example is so hyperbolic, like this would never actually happen. But the more I read and thought about it, I, mean, I, I do think the, the overarching theme is warning. Don't judge. But I I do think he does give us these steps, and I nuance those steps endlessly in the sermon. I mean, I do, because I didn't want people leaving pointing out specks with one another. 
Uh, but I, I do think the, the idea of how can you have a log in your own eye and not even know it? That, that, I, yeah, so I took that in the direction of self-examination. Right. About the log more than I, more than about the splinter. I kind of figure everybody's got splinters in their eyes. Right. Right. I mean, by God's grace, we're aware of our besetting sins. The log seems to be a besetting sin that we have no idea is even there. And so in this way, the, I think the passage is being sort of flipped on its head in its common use. Right. We're, we're sort of misusing it. I think we would, the vast majority of people would agree with that. But I think what's interesting is that when, as soon as we quote this in sort of the personal defense mechanism, I think we've completely missed the center piece of what Jesus is getting at because where he's heading is, um, in a way, stop think, thinking about yourself so much. Mm-hmm. Stop thinking about how other people treat you and consider how you treat other people. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> when we come to this passage... Uh, when we come to the, the Sermon on the Mount, when we consider the internal, Jesus is calling us to really examine ourselves and how we can treat other people in that way. So best way to use this passage, generally speaking, in our day in Asheville at Covenant Reformed, agree, disagree, toward me, not toward others. Yes. Generally. I mean, yeah. not, not the only way to use it, of course. Yep. Yes. I know. Yeah. Yes. And how you're asking it. But the, the the only way to apply, it's not just a self-examination text. It's self-examination that bears the fruit of gentleness towards your brother. Exactly. Christ. Okay. So yeah. <clears throat> then we get to verse 12, treat others as you yourself want to be treated. As When we start bearing the fruit of that, all of a sudden everybody wants to serve everybody which all of a sudden gets us into a very different spot than everybody judging everybody. Right. And here's the irony of the, if you, if you tell, if someone says something to you and your response is don't judge me, you are in that moment judging the person right. who has spoken right. to you, right? You right. are pronouncing a judgment. So, so it doesn't misusing it, but you're literally violating right. You're misusing it and you're doing the very thing. Yeah. You're telling someone not to do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Hey man, don't judge my food choices or my, baseball team on top of everything else okay don't judge me word (laughs) hey thanks for uh truly thanks for bringing the microscope back on me um i uh i i really appreciated in particular your question about when the last time we were convicted of sin was um and that was a very convicting moment and it was it worked really well so thank you for that okay uh, there was a lot of reflection in uh, the Curtis household on this, and I hope in the rest of the households around Covenant Reformed. So thanks, brother. We've been talking about it a lot in our house. Yeah. Jokingly saying don't judge, but sure. in, in half-joking, half-serious ways. Yeah. And helping our family and ourselves. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, brother. Yep. Until next time. Thanks for hosting. Thanks for hosting.